Hello and welcome to Moonbase Beta colon Not a Space Podcast. My name is Devin Cook. And I'm Amber Cook. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Last name Cook. Yeah, that's new. We're married. Um and we are joined by Adam Goldberg. Hello. How are you doing? Ah, pretty good. How have you been doing today? What, what, okay, what have you that been was up a general how am I doing the last four minutes? We can go back the last ten minutes at sunset uh, here in Burbank. It's wonderful. <laughs> We're gonna start with just general today. Like, All right. oh, yeah, that's what people have been wearing. Adam, it's been four years since you were on the podcast regularly. Uh, what shampoo are you using now? That's what people are really digging. Hey, so, Adam. Head and shoulders. I've got, I've got a very important as question. As a cleanup one, but I... I've got an important question for you. What kind of shampoo are you using? Oh, damn. Led <laughs> right into that. I don't do... No no free plugs. We learned that in journalism school. <laughs> if people want to know, they should check out my, uh, my product pr- placement only Instagram profile. And what would that be? I don't have a joke for that, but let's say <laughs> Adam Goodbye. That's a good joke. See, that's what we were testing See, fake glass earlier, and that that is it. <laughs> uh, I feel placated. No, I, it's real, but whether it's deserved or not, it's still real to me. Damn it! Well, let's get into so into the real, real questions. The real, real. Where did you first learn about Dan Harmon? Huh? Starting at the beginning. First learned about Dan Harmon. Well, back in back in the '90s, this was all elementary school was about. So, in second grade, there was um, the invention convention, and then we learned about Dan Harmon, and then the stages of a frog turning back into a tadpole. It was a very poor uh, elementary school, really uh, degrading our education by going there. But uh, when I first went to Harmontown, it was right after the Chevy Chase scandal, which was the first time they actually bothered to record the thing. And the right. place was packed. This was episode one. And when you say, like, the episode one, the Achieve Weightlessness yes, episode? Yes, Achieve that, Weightlessness. That came right after the Chevy Chase scandal. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, okay. so I, I think there was a huge turnout for people to actually go and see what was going on. It did, had more seats than they typically had at Nerdmelt. They had some to the side. They had some to the back and all the way completely filled up. And I was only able to get a seat anywhere close because I had a friend who waved me on and, you know, sitting over there, which led to me participating in the first episode, uh, which is where the curse began. Who's the friend? It's been eight years. Uh That's fair. I'll protect their identity. (laughs) Did you, um, what made you actually want to come to it? Like I wanted to see what he said because it was a big blow up. It it was, Mm -hmm. uh, you needed to get out of the house more in those days. Like you knew about him from a show, or you yeah, just I knew just, about him? Yeah, I just like this the... is the guy from Community. I hadn't okay. watched Community. I wouldn't watch Community until like two years later when I was on it and I started binging it. Okay, but I heard, ooh, the controversial guy is doing a t- podcast recording. That sounds pretty cool. Mm-hmm. When and you... it's at a comic book store. <laughs> oh boy, I can look at comics. There's yeah. a lot drawing you in. Um, when you came up on stage for the first time, were you? Were you hesitant at all? Or were you, even in that point, you were, like, pretty I mean, jazzed I have it. been doing stand-up in college. I've never been a particularly shy person. Mm-hmm. So being able to participate in front of a captive audience of hundreds of people felt like a, a smooth move. Mm-hmm. But it's important to the Lord that I was invited the first time, like a vampire, yes. broke the seal, <laughs> <laughs> therefore inviting oh, no. me back on stage in perpetuity. Oh, wow. Until they they created a theater which had like steps up to the stage, which um, you know, defeated me so far. That sounds like in the was it the Egyptian show that was no the Egyptian show. I got someone was 
I participated in that one somehow. Mm-hmm. Someone was trying to get me to deliver a letter, which was insane, to Dan. Okay. I forget that. The, the Egyptian show, man, that goes pretty much halfway into the run, doesn't it? Before That was around documentary times. Yeah, yeah. that was last We'll circle show back that. to that one. Let's uh-huh. tease that on later. Okay. Um, when you did start, so you went up, you're waved up or and invited up for that first episode. Yep. Um, when you started getting really a lot more interested in interacting with the stage, um, what <laughs> a, a, a tepid term for for what has been accused of stealing stage time, like the Hamburglar, of making the show all about myself. And in one example, someone going on tour after Bon Jovi and demanding Bon Jovi acknowledge that he had quit following the tour. I, but but with with becoming a Hamburglar, well put it your way um <laughs> have it my way <laughs> uh but how what what was the mindset that led to uh going up on yeah stage? that was fun i got some good laughs let's uh see where this goes mm-hmm. and then pretty soon after that it was hey i need to find a dungeon master and my career in la was going nowhere and slowly it was um i thought hey I, i've told this story on the podcast cast i don't i think i have more distance from it now mm-hmm. but i was like he was inviting people over around that time to hang out with him at the mansion because he wanted a, a like a, an excuse to hang out with Aaron more. Mm-hmm. But it felt weird if it was just him in a giant mansion and one other person. So it was a crew of like six or seven other people okay. who invited there. And he kept saying, we need to get a dungeon master. We need to get... And I was like, I could be a dungeon master. I imagine that's how he hears me. But uh, And I just come and come back because like one of these weeks, one of these weeks he's going to ask. And the week that he did ask, I was on Key and Peel and um, Spencer gone in and i used to be real shook up about that uh for a long time and then i thought well one spencer is amazing and unreplaceable and two i don't know if i would have been a very good assistant to dan we're both um huge personalities mm-hmm. and i think that was what drew a lot of people to harmontown for a very long time it's that uh, an hour and a half long podcast was enough space for him to just expand into the world because there's never Take up the entire room like a yeah. gas. Take up your entire mind, which is why people are like, yeah, I listened to ninety-eight episodes in a row, and now I'm like, and now I'm like, and I'm like, and I'm like, <laughs> and I signed my check, Stan Harmon, and that's bad. Mm-hmm. Yes. So to to say that, oh yeah, I definitely would have done it, and he would have loved me, and it would be called Adam Quest and ever, and then the Swedish uh, bikini team would would have buried me. It's a, a lot of speculation over what would have happened. So, mm-hmm. but um. I got a lot. I still get recognized some places, like when people hear my voice, like, are you Adam from Harmontown, which is insane. I don't really know how many episodes I was on. But um, at the at this point, like... Mattered to some people. For a while, you were, like, on the majority of them. Like, yeah. up until a certain point, and then when you sort of, at this point, it's weird to think that it's been going on so long that like you're le- in less yeah. than half at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Which is probably more than I deserve. When you have been on stage, like, there have been moments of, obviously, like, insults, and there have been... Oh, yeah, I got ragged on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but would you say that there were... Because there, there were also moments of tenderness between, with Dan and um, sort of seeing himself in you and talking about how you do sort of exemplify a lot of what a Harmenian should be. Um, would you say that there was a, a certain kind of friendship between you and Dan? I think that's that could be the entire second half of the podcast. So let's get some 
quick hits on there okay. and what a Harmenian should be. Uh, first, uh, when they had a Minecraft, Minecraft server, um, they burnt an effigy of me. Someone did. So someone else on the internet certainly has that feeling about uh, how I pertain to the community. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And um, in recent years, I searched myself on the... I, I built the uh, Harmontown subreddit. So I think that it's really interesting when I search my name every so often, like every like four or five months, there's been a post consistently. I miss Adam. Adam was really good. Adam was pretty square. And these things were not happening when I was active on the podcast. <laughs> It was not, hey, Adam had a, a great segment. And it's kind of the, the relationship it was to me in stage time. It was like trying to bring a hit food to someone else's barbecue. And there's a definite ceiling on how good something can be when it's not. I don't know if that's a great metaphor, but it was not my show. I would receive 180 seconds per show, which would mm-hmm. start or end with uh, Jeff yelling at me. And there's a limited uh, wavelength of uh, humor that could come across, and which is why people usually said that I was um, objectively funny, but I didn't laugh. That's another great comment for someone, <laughs> which is the opposite of a review I had of one of my plays, which is um, the clear effort of humor has been made. Mm. Like, uh, the, the, no, it, no, that's not it. It was an honorable attempt at humor. And, oh, oh golly, boy. the most scathing thing you can say. <laughs> what do you rough. say? No, I'm dishonorable. No, I didn't try. No, you didn't like it. You can't. No, you didn't like it when someone gives you credit for an honorable. T- that's the, the the gray ribbon. You know, you you tried humor. It didn't work. But man, you can see the setups you are a, there. A golf clap for for that little that little joke right there. Yeah. When you. But like, I would like mm-hmm. to mention that, like, what I mean, I think we talked about with Jesus how. It's different, the people there versus the people who are listening. It's a very different experience mm. uh, how... how and Dan's talked about that on the show, where when you're there, you're sort of, oh, I, I, I could be up there, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, but then people who are listening, you often, I think, tend to be a lot of the listener's favorite, just I... because you they can live through you vicariously because oh, they never a have a vicarious that. life. I wonder if they get vicarious carpal tunnel. Um, no, it's interesting that there was always a hangout kind of like a, a clump of 15 to 20 people would always want to hang out and say like a few words to Dan and Jeff after show. Mm-hmm. And there was a greeting line or things of that nature. And soon that developed around Spencer. Um, but it wasn't this, you know, I, I, the Looney Tune where the sheepdog and the wolf clock in and out of work and that they're friends. Yes. That's really not what it was between Dan and Jeff and I at all. It was like this continual above acquaintanceship. Mm-hmm. Like this continual, hey, I know you, but I don't really want to spend that much time with you. Except when it was going on to the house or when it was a birthday party. I don't know if I've told the story about the birthday party Aaron threw for Dan. But I think it's an interesting example of something. Is that the surprise, the surprise party with the book, or was uh, that a different no? One? There was Flea Bart Station. Okay. All right. So I'd like to hear about that. Erin thought of herself as a game maker. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then she we had talked the last. Time, we'll go after this. I'll go the last time I saw Erin. <laughs> but um, she, I don't think she was a huge fan of playtesting. So it she like threw, she was she was into the idea of creating something. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not, I'm not slagging her about this, but she created this wonderful multi-partate four 
uh, four group birthday party for Dan called Flea Bart Station, where there were four different alien races you were supposed to they cosplay did. on. Wait, 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 wait! They this described. is like a live action. It was a live. It was a LARP birthday party. Oh my god! I think I remember hearing about that either in the episode or from somebody else. Well, well that, that I'm is somebody it. else, and so now you've heard from two. Yeah, I'd like to that hear about it more because I only heard what? a couple small details. Yeah, so I was trying to design something. This is I was okay. already creating modules around this time, so maybe 2012, 2013. Um, and there were all these different game and activity areas and a mix of objective, like, games, like, put things over here and, a, a, like, qualitative draw this art and we're going to judge the art. And immediately after being started, within 10 minutes, someone said, oh, yeah, we can't do any activities. Someone stole the entire bucket that you're supposed to place things in. And we never found the bucket for the rest of the night. So <laughs> it was just a missing bucket. It was a missing bucket. And That's it was it. I think that describes so much of the ambition that met with the reality that it was a drunken party and people were being silly. Mm-hmm. I think compared still... to this ambitious, wondrous breakthrough that was trying to happen. And um And it is a beautiful ambition. And they turn on and they turned on Erin very, very early on in her appearances for not being Dan or Jeff. Yeah, it was a d- damn shame. That. Yeah, she went to Scotland, uh, Ireland, Scotland, the United Kingdom, uh, the Isle of Man, to pursue comedy, comedy, and by all accounts, she's running a comedy theater there and doing great. But um, the last thing I got from Erin, and uh, she was always, um, I always felt like I was an interesting bug to her, like 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 she wanted to look close, but there's always the idea that what there might be like hidden pincers in there or some threat that you don't want to get too uh, tremendously close to and I was probably adversarial because I was jealous in pursuing a career through Dan that was never possible but um, before she moved out she had a yard sale this must have been more than three years ago now because I remember I was was driving at the time a carpal tunnel and I sold my car about it about in 2016 uh, late 2016 so I went down there over to uh Los Files, Los Files, Los Files, uh, and ended up getting about, a bunch uh, of... three more of those? Yeah, no, it turns out I only had two. <laughs> we'll come back to that, we'll come back uh, to yeah, that. Yeah, perfect. Just, this is... you know, like when you get real tired, it's just like oh, yeah. words don't <laughs> exist anymore. Anyway, no. Los Files. I go over to Locha Nocha, and she's selling this rock band equipment for way below price. I think it was 10 bucks for a guitar and a drum set. Erin is? Erin was, yeah, because okay. she wasn't going to be able to put down on a plane and take it over to okay. um, uh, Newfoundland um, or the Adriatic Sea. Wales. Mm-hmm. She went over to Wales. And I'm still using that stuff. I, whenever I have a birthday party, I invite a ton of people over, and it's just a little memory of her. Um, I want to say that they... I probably more than the other people you might talk to got so much swag from the stuff. There was always <laughs> snacks. One uh, beef beefsteak bill brought beef that had mold on it one yeah, time. That's we, probably the worst. We know beef. At the top of there was someone who gave me a uh, D4, D6, uh, a full dice set. And people were giving like bead bracelets. I had a mole rain um, bracelet for a very t- long time until it, full, uh, until it fell apart. Mm-hmm. So, I still think about these. Still think about the the fan art people drew of me. After all the the fan art that I I, I have done for Harmontown over the years, you were the first that I ever did. Ah. And in when I took when I was very How young. How old were I, you? We were like sixteen. Younger than that. Well, 
<laughs> I was pretty young. And I took yep. like this like little, not little kid, but young person oil painting class at my local art art place. Was <laughs> that the one with me wearing the X-Men t-shirt with the, the threadless one? No, 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 no. All right. Uh, but I did an oil painting of you. <laughs> and my, my, I was trying to explain it. Looking too. over the producer, wondering if how I could far I could get over this table, and probably could not <laughs> evade you in the parking lot because, as we said, I don't drive. So. I was trying to explain it to my oil painting teacher, and he was yeah. like, he was very supportive. But he's a guy from a podcast. Uh, is he the producer? You know, he has the same name as the producer. Are you sure? <laughs> well, maybe he's a producer. He's on the show sometimes. Was he a producer? Well, let just, just don't double dip the brush. Oh boy. That's the moral here. So and it's weird that the outpouring of gifts, um, welcome to the basement, they send them tons of stuff so much that they have a spin-off show of postcards and gifts and Zatuishi DVDs and it's really fascinating that, hey, I sent you the thing, open it is mm-hmm. now the predominant genre of online content. So much that this six year old got a TV show because they opened things and they had a huge following. When you, you talk about getting all the gifts, but then you also get all, all the, swag. the get all the swag, but you also get all the you got all the all the hate, all the hate mail. Um well it's you, my fault I started the subreddit. I was a big enough boy to take it. But I mean do you think that a lot of the hate is like do you take it in as genuine or or is it's just sort of a meme to to, to poop on Adam? Well like, it was when I I don't think it was getting booed because I can take being booed, you know, mm-hmm. as a performer. You go on it's stage always as a seemed good like guy. you had a relatively you thick skin. Go on as stage. a bad guy. It's when I was talked about in absentia as bad by someone else on the podcast, it's when I quit. It was someone else be like, yeah, and I'm not like that Adam Goldberg, and the oh, crowd right. reacts. I'm like, oh, what the f- why am I paying so much to do this? This is 10 bucks a week plus gas plus parking to go from oftentimes from all the way from Pasadena to mm. <laughs> middle Hollywood to. Get three minutes of stage time and get booed, you know? Yeah. And um, I'm not eh, – I'm mean enough online that I really can't play the victim here of, like, the people were online. I'm one of those mm-hmm. uh, prophets of doom who just tell people this society sucks and you're a part of society and you suck, so please hit the green button or the red button so that my uh, numbers go up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not looking to, like, interview a victim. We're just here to, like – yeah, from my side your, of it, if you're people... side of the story, your point of view from a lot of this that we didn't get to hear on the show a lot. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it, it when it there was just putting out that opinion and then sort of the response to that, and then that was it. That's so we have no idea, like sort of the 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 thoughts that went into every mm-hmm. single person's point of 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 the interactions, as interesting as they were, especially as a podcast listener, versus the experience that you had. Am I making sense? I'm very tired right now. (laughs) I think it was always a question where I fit into the firmament of the documentary itself. I know when uh, it was getting made, they had this idea that I would, like, narrate or, like, we keep getting interviewed, and they taped uh, an episode, a live listen party that I uh, was DMing at. And Oh, my God, we had eight players in that game. It was whack. Maximum group size should be six. It should be mandated by law, and it should be less <laughs> if you have turn-based combat. What was but, your, what was Neil's relationship with you? I think he was, was a nice guy and making a nice documentary, and I got a reaction shot in it. And my roommate who attended so one harm and down, one shot of you in that. Yeah, I'm happy with that. But so my sad. roommate who appeared in one episode um, mm-hmm. that I brought her to, 
like got its online segment to make it look like there was a lot of black people on stage at Harmontown, which there were not at the time. Yeah. By a large bunch, it was just not happening, and black women not at all. But um, I thought it was a great documentary. Um, I had a, a very nice time at the premiere party, which I think I had to pay to get into. But I remember the, the finale tour of the uh, tour, which was at the Egyptian. I purchased a ticket. Then someone gifted me a ticket. Then I was, like, told, hey, you have a ticket at Will Call. So I ended up getting three tickets to that show. So, and I was on the T-shirt um, thing for the merch booth, and they gave me a free T-shirt. And again, mm-hmm. you take, you give, you take, and then if you're part of something, they'll just kind of like, yeah, have some swag. This means a lot to me that you have it. So what would be your current relationship with the show? Like, versus, you know, how it used to be. Because now that you're not on it, I don't know if that's better or worse for you. It's much better. Um, I would think about it a lot, and my family would listen to it, and then I get feedback for it, and then I read forums and like be like, oh, what did people think about this? I hope someone mentions me, but I hope no one mentions me mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when you're judging yourself by your unscheduled appearance on someone, on two people who are funnier than you and their podcast... Again, the skill, the the floor is so low and the ceiling is so low mm-hmm. in terms of what it was capable of. It was a, um, I was uh, really down and out, uh, as down and out as you can be um, when you're not really that down and out. <laughs> Still enough money to move back home. But uh, I asked Dan for a PA gig on the show and he he. Uh, gave me a rejection, a blow off that I didn't even realize for a year, which was like, you know, I'm not really in charge of that department. Mm-hmm. If a showrunner wants someone on, it's a conversation to get them hired, but it was so perfect and so encapsulated um, that when I talked to him maybe earlier this year or very late last year, the, it was earlier this year, I was going on to try and get a guest spot for a uh, state senate candidate I was representing. Turned out to be a real, a real jerk who, you know, didn't pay me $17,000 I was owed. Mm-hmm. Good guy. At the time, I didn't know it, and no free publicity. If I'm not naming what shampoo I'm using, I'm not going to name other things I want to <laughs> wash right out of my hair. But um, I came backstage. I was like, I, I, I really missed you guys, but I don't want to be a part of it, and I don't want to interrupt. And he's playing cookie clickers. Like, okay, well, bye. This is a long-term acquaintanceship. I don't even know if they mention me anymore unless I get tagged. I get snitch tagged on Reddit, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's mostly, hey, whatever happened to Adam? It's like, I have a web design company. I run agentwebdev.com, you know, um, semi-successfully. Mm-hmm. I, I'm creating a, my own uh, game show where I run games, uh, mostly Spirit of 77, uh, done by the great Monkey Fun Games. I've done my buddies. So, so I do, uh, in relation to the, what yeah. you're doing right now, uh, you've had a lot of different kinds of jobs. Yeah, yeah. as you're describing now. You've... Well, it's, that's the kind of thing in Hollywood. This week, I've been... Even on the way in here, someone's pitching, what if we did D&D, but it's from the point of view of the dungeon master and the players and the map is the world? And I'm like, one, that's a cool idea. Two, how much are you going to pay me or, or are you insane? I'm I'm considering this. When we do the the 10-year anniversary of when Harmontown went off the air, I'll tell you how that went. But <laughs> I yeah, don't, that's what we're going to be celebrating. Before that, it was, hey, can you make me famous? I'm a very influential person at a certain large furniture chain. Can I turn that into YouTube success? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, for money, you can. Do you have a particular uh, like career that you're like really working towards? I pitched that you're really a show to Comedy in? Central last year. Mm-hmm. I guess it's everyone who was on stage ended up succeeding wildly. Kumail 
was on and then was on the Twilight Zone, had a hit movie, had his TV show filmed at the same venue. Um, yeah, it was just a me on the street asking uh, very smart, very dumb questions of people. It was called Eye Contact with Adam Ultraberg, playing off the demi-spectrum um, uh, way I project a lot of the time. I think I, I, I saw something similar to that on your YouTube channel. Yeah, ago. oh, I did some, the me on the street stuff. If they look yeah. at the Adam Ultraberg, I wish I got Adam Ultraberg over at any point during the show because people looking for Adam Goldberg will find the other two guys who feuded at one point, which was really interesting to see my SEO destroyed forever, <laughs> to see Adam Goldberg, Adam Goldberg, and not, neither of them is me. Oh, boy. <laughs> at the top of the rankings. But I'm sure there was a question, and I'm sure I've evaded it, for which I apologize. No. I it's... mean, like, it mostly it's just like, have, do you have, like, a very s specific dream? Or is it just you trying out lots of different things to well, see? Well, those what... are two very different things because of my rent addiction. Um, Got to pay it, you know, every month. Got to <laughs> do it. I don't own property. But uh, being funny for money is... Um, when I came out here... The, the very big stereotype of Hollywood, it keeps projecting about itself, is you will be forced to do menial, non-creative work. And then once you really make it, you'll get to do your own stuff. And nowadays, it turns out, you can do really creative stuff whenever the hell you want. If you want to get paid for it, go uh, swear word a swear word up a funny word that sounds like canoe. But not it isn't canoe, because canoe's not funny. It's kayak. Canoes Sponsored are, joke. Canoes are kind of funny. I have three children's plays with a fourth one that I'm still revising uh, at the behest of the editor. I think it's nice. Can you talk no, about can... those? Yes, they've, they've come out. Um, Sidekicking It, I did in college. It's about a superhero. This is before everything was superheroes, but not after nothing was superheroes. And he has to learn that the most powerful power is friendship, but the second most powerful power is super strength. So don't get it twisted. <laughs> uh, there was the dumbest idea I had for a play. I wish someone had told me the way I... It's uh, called The Old New Kid, and it's about an old new kid meeting a new new kid. And it's set at Thanksgiving, a time when schools don't put on plays. So no, what one person has licensed this. The other ones have gone up maybe a dozen times combined around the world, maybe more than that, all corners of the earth. But um, you'd have to look at youth plays. Uh, the youth is all in caps. That's the mm -hmm. trademark for Adam Goldberg. And you might see the one people really like, but I feel... About which is um, boys versus girls Armageddon <laughs> on oral history of I think the ninth grade gender war. Okay. And when I wrote it, that was back when there was like, oh, there's boys and girls, and it's like we did not have the idea that there was a chromatic display of wonderful diverse genders. But people love this play. It's just about boys and girls go to war. What happens? What happens to the people who are weren't there? Can they solve this war? War is heck. And some really good bits, you know, <laughs> when someone's like talking really loud and then loud background sound goes away and then they're still talking loud. There you go. That's in there. That's a, that's a classic. That's that a classic good. and it's in there. What what got you into writing youth plays? Um, like that doesn't, I, I think a lot of people listening to the Harmontown wouldn't peg that as like a go-to uh, yeah. career. So one, it's not a career. I'd probably make more money if you guys pay me back for bus fare than I would make. Uh, from licensing these things. There's no money in theater and even less money in children's theater, which is a damn shame. But mm -hmm. uh, it started, I'll try and do the short version, but it's a story I like to tell. Uh, when I was in high school, they used to have competitive plays. The freshmen, sophomores, seniors would all put on plays. And then they're like, this is too much production. We don't want to do this anymore. This very nice guy named Alvin Ayo, he said, well, why don't we do a 24-hour theater thing? 
People are like, what's that? Well, the writers write it for 12 hours. They hand it off to the directors. They go to sleep. Directors put it up on stage with the actors. And then 24 hours after they started, everyone comes and sees it. And I put up another superhero show. Um, well, was, the next one was another. Because this one was the first, uh, was in the mid-2000s when I was in high school. How old am I now? Uh, ancient. So I put on this play. I saw it. They did my lines, kind of, because, you know, they had 12 hours to prepare. Sure. And to be fair, some of the lines maybe had typos or, you know, we completely forgot to cast one of the people that we were in just oh, yeah. because there was just it was the first time any of us had ever written anything. So I saw, okay, it's kind of cool when your thing goes up. Next year I directed. Another year I put another thing up, which was a bit more ambitious. And that was unrecognizable because, a thir- uh, you know, a uh, uh, junior's idea of thoughtful theater is probably insane to everyone but them. And we didn't have editors to tell us this isn't a great idea. We're like, we need to finish this thing. Um, but when I got to college, um, I've been doing sketches. I've been working with some of the comedy groups at Emerson College. Uh, slogan freaks and geeks meets will and grace it was summer i was working at world wrestling entertainment in stanford connecticut mm-hmm. at the magazine okay i was interning there i don't tell people i was interning there but i was working there in the capacity i went down a few days a week and transcribed and came up with article ideas they mostly didn't use because intern but i was like I, why haven't i written something for myself something to prove i can be funny without swearing or being like doing retro causality or line notes i came up with sidekick in it Mm-hmm. I sent it around to some people, and then um, at the orientation comedy show, the O Show, I sent it to my friend Gabe, and he's like, this is great. You need to submit this to one of the theater groups around here. Um, so I submitted it to Kidding Around, uh, a mainstay of Emerson Comedy, and Mercutio. Kidding Around did the really awesome um, Dear Edwina, which I still look fondly back on, but Mercutio said, we're going to take a chance on a children's show this season. They put up, no, more than I want, like 300 bucks to put into this play. Fantastic. Uh, So sidekicking it went up. And eventually, after a few weeks, Gabe, maybe even a week, after Gabe kicked me out of rehearsals because he was directing, which was a great idea. Don't try and direct a play with the writer right there. And when I came back, when I came back from the costume, it was real. It was fantastic. The lines were funnier. People had added things. It was a better experience than if I than I had it in my head. And from there on, I thought, oh, this is what theater is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a compromise between sleep, tiredness, and forgetting to cast people. That's great. And from then on, I wrote a few more. The, next, the, the latest one is called I Promise I'll Save the Universe. I'd be working as a PA on shows. We'd be into our 15, 16 of the thing. Or our, like, it's it's Wednesday and you've worked 50 hours that week. And you're just like, why would I want to go home? I have food on set. I have stuff to do on set. I have, what am I going to do? Put on pants, sleep, watch television? I'm making television. There was just this distortion of what really goes on when I was working in it. And then when you work in web design, it, you're running things appropriately. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't take a ton of work every week to... Do you like, enjoy the web design? I enjoy it. I like helping my team. I like clearing obstacles out of people's way. I like helping people make money when they're just like, it's the website. Anyway, that's what I've been up to career-wise, mm-hmm. the web design and the... But uh, hobby-wise, there's... Um, <laughs> yeah, you're going currently going off of I'm trying to get back the to questions. the topic of the show, which well, that's is... Well, that's exactly no, what I was about I think to I was... If you look back at the episodes when I'm actually playing D&D with Spencer, I'm one of the most focused in terms of actually progressing the adventure. There are whole episodes 
especially in Shadowrun, when that, people actually. do not move from one side of the room to the other. Yeah. And <laughs> I feel so bad for Spencer for having to have players who are have do not have, like, object permanency, let alone the ability <laughs> to comprehend a character sheet. Sure. Shadowrun is such a complicated setting. It has, like, five different buy-in points. One, a bunch of humans got turned into monsters. Race mm-hmm. metaphor. Number two... Uh, it's everyone's fears about what gangs would be like from the 80s. Two, it's all in Seattle, a city no one's 80s. actually ever been to. Four, there's magic, but there's also ghosts and there's also technology. Five, uh, the dice system is complicated. You're going to be rolling 38 dice. Don't roll any ones. I think that's the tough... I, th- I think that's why Shadowrun didn't turn out nearly as well as the Dungeon Dungeons & Dragons series, was just because... There's so much. It's based in a story world that's already been created. Where how Dungeons many Dragons dice are, do I have? Though? How many dice? You know, fate. Like I mean, in a in an alternate universe, I, because they don't. Because Jesus had mentioned how much easier that was, and how much more story orientated it could have been, which is one thing that Harmon tried to do a thing, lot. Yeah, what are the yeah. trade-offs? Is I'm sure a lot of interest in Harmon Quest was people from. Wizards of the Coast being like, ooh, it's D&D, the thing we sell. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to look at it from a practical way. But yeah, the fewer things you can put in front of a player, the better off you'll be. I've taught, I don't want to brag, but probably hundreds and hundreds of people. It was my first time, their first time playing a game. I was running a game down at the brewery downtown, the Angel City Brewery, and we didn't have enough people, so I wandered off two people who were just there to drink, and they had fabulous characters, and we had a great time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they were probably kind of drunk. Uh, Looking back, they certainly were. So one of the things that I also love to go on huge monologues about is uh, Powered by the Apocalypse, which was not really a huge thing when the podcast came out. But it's basically a system based around Apocalypse World where you get rid of a lot of the cargo cult things from D&D from when it used to be. What's cargo cult? uh, The cargo cult is an idea that um, on the Pacific Islands... They used to, during the, the battle on that front, there was a lot of, you know, the U.S. would put down airstrips and bring in food and cocoa and rubber and all this interesting stuff. And they would put down air towers and, you know, all these planes would come in. So once they left and the war was over, the people would try and recreate, you know, the landing strip or the control tower of bamboo or fake bamboo radio. And they thought that was the thing that was bringing the things in. Oh. So whether or not this actually happened, the idea of a cargo cult mm-hmm. is something that repeats the same process without knowing why it's actually part of the process. Okay. Mm. So one of the things about D&D that's iconic, a D20. D20 is a piece of shit. A D20, you are just as likely to fail as you are to succeed, and you have this huge range where nothing matters. What's the difference on rolling a 12 and a 14? It's a 10% difference, but it really doesn't... You don't feel any emotional difference. There's no success, success with a cost kind of thing. So first... Um, it also has a flat curve. So that means that your barbarian is going to fuck up one out of 20 times if you have critical misses, which are a bad mechanic, but they're probably critical. People assume, even if it's not in the rule book, one out of 20 times you're going to throw your axe through the wall. Okay, so cargo cult. That, I've, I've never heard that, that term before. But well, I hope, and that's one to grow on. Yeah, this is a... But um, in systems yeah. like Fate, where you have mm-hmm. a curve, uh, a probability curve of... You know, a six-side die, but two sides are blank, two sides are minus, two sides are plus. The average is around zero. Mm -hmm. You add zero to a number from typically one to five. You have a very clear number. Okay, it's a five. I'm at a plus three. The average is zero. I'll probably have to spend fate points, this resource, to get to that higher number. 
Okay. Um, and when you use Powered by the Apocalypse and some of my favorite systems, uh, Masks, which I wrote some stuff for, Worldwide Wrestling, which I wrote uh, the Road expansion for, if people want to read my stuff after listening to me talk, which I can't imagine, but when you my said fans have been you wrote loyal. for Worldwide, Worldwide Wrestling, is that... That's a... an RPG where you... It's one of the best RPGs and best wrestling games ever because it mm-hmm. ans- answers the conceit, am I trying to win the match? Do I know wrestling's fake? So you are a wrestler. You are trying to have an entertaining match. You are trying to get over. You are trying to maybe deal with your opponent and humiliate him as a a fellow human being. Mm -hmm. But it is not, oh, I'm trying to hit my special finisher move so that I can win this match. And now someone interfered with me and we have to go to... It's it's about the the thin veneer between the front of the stage story and the backstage story. That's very interesting. I've never heard about that before. It's wonderful. It's by Nathan Paletta, uh, and he's coming out with a second edition soon, which mm-hmm. is going to be even better. Cool. I'm sure I had a thesis in here. Anyway, if Spencer, and Spencer's a great guy. Um, I'd love to GM for him. I've offered. If you get him in here, tell him I'll invite him to my Discord server. I'll plug that. Yeah. One of the things, it's just you have two regular dice like you get from Monopoly, 2d6. Mm-hmm. You roll them. You add your bonus or subtract your penalty. On a 7 to 9, you get a, a, a partial success. You get some of what you want. On a 6 or less, you know, you get none of what you want. And on a 10 plus, you get all of what you want. You know, ice cream sundae with the toppings. Now, why this is a really, really good way of doing things compared to a D20 is you're going to have a cinematic style of experience where most of the times, Indy jumps to the ledge, but the bridge breaks. Or, in, you know, mm-hmm. someone... Jumps. I keep thinking of caverns because that's where we do most of our. It's adventuring. extreme one way or the other. It's it's more that there's a complication which is somewhat resolved and goes on to the next thing, mm-hmm. as opposed to a d20, which is I okay. You pick the lock. I got a 19. You needed you, to get a 20. Do I pick, pick it? it? Kinda good. No, you don't pick it. Can I try again? Mm-hmm. Sure. How would picking the lock go with? Hey, can you help me pick the lock? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so you're. You're, you're in the using... dungeon of Dreadmore. You're mm-hmm. the rogue. You're trying to pick a lock. You'd say, well, what are you trying to... You'd say, what do you do? There's this ancient door. It's carved with the uh, riddles of the sphinxes all in the language you can't understand. But it just has those... Head. I wouldn't tell you that you can understand. That's a bad example, but we're improvising here. <laughs> ancient door. They feel like ancient riddles to you. There's a lock mechanism on the front. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Calgar the elf. I'm going to inspect the lock mechanism. All right. It looks to be intricate, retreating backwards into darkness. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) What's the lock mechanism made of? All right. The lock itself is made of a cold iron. It's chilling to the touch, and there's a a faint cobalt kind of blue. Is there any? Anyway, when you you roll the actual dice, you pick up the dice. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Am I rushing you? What? What's your character? My character? Yeah. Oh, Bibbidi Blob the Tired Lizard Man. Yes, that'll work. Mm-hmm. And, and and I'm colorblind, so... All right, now we got this. The, the, the key thing about running <laughs> a game <laughs> is Adam, to not get more details moment, than you can Adam. integrate. All right. What kind of colorblind? I'm just I'm the, the kind, guest here. I just, I can't tell that the it's blue. I can't tell. All right, what does blue look like for you? It looks... I just see black and white. I just All see right, comic book colorblind. Yes, exactly. All right, fine. Daredevil, you know. Um... Because uh, so when you red, pick the lock, because red blue would be too complicated. Let's go it up. You, <laughs> let's say you have a plus two in uh, dexterity. You're okay. pretty great at lock picking. You're not the best in the world. That would be a plus three. Okay. But you're low level. You got to get into this tomb to save the uh, Snake King's daughter, which has been in this temple of the sun god. Okay. So you roll it. You pick up the dice. What did you roll? Uh, 
four. All right, we add four. We add the plus two. That's a six or less. So normally it would be you fail. You have to stand there, or people hear you coming. Um, but in Power by the Apocalypse, you can mm -hmm. have people fail by giving them too much success, for example. So I'd be perfectly when the rules is like, Bibbity, as you are resting your eyes and watching, uh, the thief opens up the door and realizes the ritual is attended by dozens and dozens of uh, dozens and dozens of orcs. You see the lizard man's daughter at the top, and you realize she is wearing the garb of the priestess. She's in on it. <gasps> oh. Or I can say that there she's captured, and they all look at you. Or I can say the lock prick breaks off, and the door falls forward onto you. Bibbity, what are you doing? I'm all just these wondering ways I can... what I'm missing in the world <laughs> with my lack with of color. color. <laughs> You're just pun. Oh How can you? Oh. I'll tell you, as someone who eventually you stop worrying about what you're missing, and you'd be like, "Well, I wouldn't have been that good of an assistant today." Anyway, back to my initial thesis: if you're working with drunk people and you have 15 minutes, you should mm -hmm. have an adventure. Uh, like, an, he wrote the hell out of those adventures. He posted on Reddit he how he did. had like contingencies and contingencies when the level of action should have been, "Hey, there's a rickety bridge you need to get across." Just you know, just give Laurel and Hardy like there's a mummy coming out of the tomb. What do you do? You know, mm -hmm. that level of sophistication and um, I don't know. I got I that don't, feeling. I, but, I, I don't want to come across as bitter or stuff. I think I just see that that was a weird, tense thing when there was you know how much later in the podcast we have 15 minutes, we have 30 minutes. Are they going to be able to do something that significantly eclipses the time spent on the summary? Mm -hmm. What kinds of, like, hobbies do you just have on the side, like, at the moment? Um, like, what do you just twiddling I'm your thumbs I'm a socialist about? organizer. I don't mm -hmm. know if we all saw it going that direction, which is why I felt so, ugh, when Josh got on the show, it's like, hey, Josh is saying the stuff Josh and I talk about, and everyone fucking loves him. Boy, yes. And then Adam is on the show. It's like, I saw Adam Ruins Everything as the title of the, uh, Adam Ruins Harmontown <laughs> as the title. Like, I this... saw it on Reddit. It's like, what did I do? I haven't been on in four years. Why? How did I do this? Me? Yeah. Oh, man. And I'm like, I see. I, 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 that guy goes to Sela like blocks me. I can go over and just. But um, I think I've developed as a person a lot since I've been on the show mm -hmm. every week. So, you know, helping. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Um, there's but a yeah. lot of great shows on Netflix. There should be a podcast about what to watch on Netflix. What are you watching right now? Uh, Hustle and Flow is really good. They should not have eliminated Mop Freedom or Old Man Saxon the way they did. I think we'll both pretend we know what the heck that means. Well, then you'll have to watch it, I guess. Hustle and Flow. Yep. Hustle and Flow is a rap reality show uh -huh. where uh, Cardi, Chance, and T.I., uh, go around the country to find rappers and then have them compete in rapping challenges. And it's a fascinating show. Mm -hmm. It's a fascinating show for a show about oral linguistic creativity wrapped in what is a tremendous amount of reality show cliche. Every single person will tell you almost every time they're on camera, I'm doing this for my daughter. I need, I need money. I come from a rough neighborhood. And then they will rap often about coming, you know, their daughter are coming from a rough neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And the raps are fantastic and the beats are fantastic and it's so fascinating. And then the judges will give the equivalent of you were a little bit pitchy. And Cardi will say, I like that song. It could make me money. Or I don't see how that song could make me money. And it's so fascinating to see people at the top of their craft still wrapped in this patina of, you know, you only have two days to do this challenge. And they'll put 48 hours still challenge on mm -hmm. screen. And then like a clip. 
hey, I went to the studio. I like this guy. He's pretty cool. And then 40 hours to challenge. And then someone else is in the studio. And then someone calls their mom. And then eight hours till challenge. It's like, that seems like an arbitrary way to divide the episode. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for coming on the show. All right. Uh, shout out to uh, this podcast. If you want to listen to it again, yeah. and listen to it while you're going to sleep, listen to it again Take in the morning. scrub. Thank you to our producer. To and thanks top. to everyone here at Starburns. Thank you. Keeping the pencil. <laughs> You're a little blue. I blew myself pencil. That's a so charming. Request. All right. The well, charming Adam Gold. Thank you so much for anybody tuning in. And this is uh, Moon Base Beta, not, not a, a space, space podcast. podcast. I'm Devin. And I'm Amber. Adam. And, and- Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>